Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. Okay, then. To become a stickier business, you will probably need to overcome some kind of change hurdle at some point in your journey. But any organizational change, no matter how brilliant the plan, will often, if not always, rely on a whole bunch of individual change led and influenced by line managers. And I think this is sometimes what stops many businesses from really leaning into this stuff. How do we help line managers influence or get lots of different people to change what they've been individually doing or the way they've been doing these things in the pursuit of organizational change. And that can feel so big as to be paralyzing at times. So instead, some leaders will plow on and focus on the task element of their plan, engineering every last element of it, and then just instruct their people on what they expect and leave them to it. Now, in my experience, that doesn't often lead or result in lasting, sticky behavioral change. Some will focus on task training. They'll get their plans off the ground, but often just fleetingly. Because without understanding trust, commitment, and buy-in, which all lead to personal behavioral change, people mostly go back to doing what they were doing before or struggle to deliver what the new way needs consistently. And it's not just about organizational change either. Just trying to change something in your personal life is a tricky thing too. There has to be a reason for the change. And then you have to find a way to permanently change the old habits and rituals. Until you change or modify the behavior, nothing, nothing will really stick long term. Training the task just isn't enough. You need to coach the behavior too. And that can take many different paths depending on the individual, which is another reason this stuff can be hard and end up being bypassed by organizations in their attempt to cope with complexity in as simple a way as possible. So how do we effectively change behavior? Well, with me today is Paul Burton. For years, Paul has been fascinated by human behavior and through his work, in big financial institutions and universities, has seen the benefits of building people's technical brilliance, along with their ability to grow and utilize stronger human skills. Paul is now combining his passion for human behavior, personal development, and commerciality with technology, with his development of the C-Coach, a digital tool that can help people self-identify their behavioral blockers and present them with individually targeted development content that gives them the tools, methods, and responsibility for their own 
behavioral development as leaders of people. Now, I'm really interested to speak to Paul today to hear his story and discuss what he believes are the secrets to long-lasting behavioral change. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hi, Andy. Thanks for the opportunity. It's great to see you. Yeah, really nice to have you with me today, mate. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Any excuse to talk about human behavior and change and engagement, I'm all in, my friend. So I'm looking forward to this. Likewise. Likewise. I think we've... um... I think we've we've uh, chewed many an hour before now, haven't we? And uh, meandered uh, through through conversations around change and human behaviour. So we have, and that is why I'm going to break with tradition, my friend, and I'm going to get straight into the subject that we're here to talk about. Okay, um, I want to dive straight in because I know we've got lots to talk about. So, Paul, what is the challenge or problem that you've seen with businesses and training, all that stuff I've just talked about, that actually right now with all the work you're doing, you are looking to solve. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I suppose there's um, there's a couple of things that you know really spring to mind for me. Really, you know, change change has been a consistent really, hasn't it, for for a very long time. But I think the speed of change has been really exponential, and I think we're. You know, I was talking with a business leader just the other day and we we're talking about, you know, how much since COVID the workplace has really fundamentally changed and changed so fast, it's untrue. And how do you take people on that journey? And then we got into talking about AI and then we started to go, but actually is that amount of change that we've just talked about that's so fundamental that people have gone through is that going to be shadowed into insignificance by, you know, the introduction of AI? So, and, and we were just talking about that degree of change and how quick people are having to be able to adopt to it and, you know, and how used, we, you know, used to that, we, we, you know, we are. But moreover, the impact that, you know, the business leaders I'm speaking to are seeing that it's having on, on their growth, on their, on their, on their productivity on the well-being of their workforce and you know the customer experience and how do you face into that when when I speak to them the technical side of people's jobs they're very comfortable with you know they know how to change the dial on that side of things you know they know how to be able to kind of upskill people in coding if it's coding mm. and there's a mass there's so many people are out there that can help you do that but actually, it's not the technical side of things so much that they're concerned about. It's the emotional, it's the human intelligence side of things that's the kind of the frontier that is presenting so much opportunity, but so much challenge at the same time. You know, how do you change the dial in that space? You know, and what are the tools that we kind of lean into to be able to kind of do that? And, you know, that's that's been ongoing, but, you know, that's what we that's what we do. You know, so how do you give, how do you kind of create change at scale, at human intelligence? And what we've gone on to build is a, is a fully automated life coach. The equipped organizations to be able to change that human intelligence dial at scale, but more efficiently, saving costs too. And that's perhaps something we can get into a bit later mm. on, you know, as it's apparent, you know, as it feels apparent. But I suppose that's the the environment, the environment we find ourselves in, the problem we're trying to change. I think it's interesting because even on the radio the other day, they were talking about the um, the latest kind of uh, stats. I don't know what report it was, but they were looking at uh, skill gaps for businesses. 
and trying to bridge the skill gaps. And all the skill gaps they were talking about were human skills. They were talking about a lack of connection, a lack of ability to have empathy, a lack of ability to challenge without <laughs> offending. All those kind of human skills that we take for granted, this is the gap. So there's a lot, like you say, there's a lot of technical training and development that, that's going on. And we've almost forgotten or left under a shroud the kind of basic human skills which i mean nothing works without these things right and i don't think anything works without this stuff in any sustainable form <laughs> i did a program yesterday with a bunch of brilliant brilliantly energetic young hospitality managers making the kind of next step and we've been through weeks and months of all this kind of training and the end of the program is the learning journey presentation which they're all dreading no one they don't like standing up and talking but they get up and there was a classic line yesterday on the end of somebody's presentation which was this stuff we've discussed over the last year it's not all make-believe it actually works and and i you know my heart sings at that sort of stuff i, I absolutely love that but that's what we're talking about and that's why i'm fascinated to talk to you because the combination for me of human skills and technology, I mean, that's something worth talking about, right? Totally. You know, it's, I mean, when you, you know, when you lean into some of the stats, I mean, everybody loves, loves some stats, right? You know, Harvard, you know, a long time ago, you know, talked about 85% of success factors are, you know, the human ones, 15% are technical. So we've always kind of recognised it. But actually, I think that more and more of the challenges and opportunities that we face are human. So we, So you've got to have the technical. You, you know, to be able to do your jobs, but actually more and more of the technical sphere of what's been done in jobs is being done by tech, mm. you know, more and more so. So, but then we've got these, this, you know, what, what's the future frontier for us? You know, the future frontier for us is being human. Let's not try and outthink, you know, and outspeed a computer. You know, I don't know if you've played, you know, I, clearly AI is the topic of the moment, isn't it? But you're yeah, going to ask me if I'm a chat GPT freak. Yeah. Because yes, I am. Right. I mean, <laughs> how, 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 you know, it, it's just, it's brilliant. It's, it, it's brilliance to be able to write it coherently, mm. you know, get the subject and write it brilliantly. You know, if only I could do that, you know, a hundred times slower and get the same outcome, I'd be really quite happy, but actually it does it in fractions. Right. So, you know, but there's, but, then there is a case of that we, we understand that's going to be done. Um, but if you then go into the sphere of what you know we are, we're 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 unique, we're beautiful, and we're complex. Um, and that's the beauty because actually what we love to do is we love that in each other. You know, we love the difference, we love engaging, we love the emotion, we love the you know the nuances of being human. And no matter how fast a piece of AI can diagnose somebody's problem. You won't want to be told by a computer. You'll want to engage with the doctor. And it's the human skills that they've got that bring that into being something meaningful that you'll do something with. So we've, it, you know, they've almost become the skills that have never been forgotten, but actually haven't been as high on the agenda. But second, even when they're on the agenda, how the blowing hell do you change them mm. effectively? Because we're all just replaying the experiences and behaviors that we've encountered through our life unconsciously yeah so you know how do we start to be able to kind of change that in an in an organizational setting you know something that's really i was asked the other day to to um respond to a linkedin post about authentic leadership mm. 
And I, th- and I thought it's brilliant. It's a brilliant post. And I was th- and I was thinking about the answer to it because everybody should be authentic. But actually, there's a real danger with being authentic too, because actually, what we want is we want people to be authentic, but within the boundaries of acceptability in society. Mm. So if I'm a bigot or a male chauvinist, you don't want me to be authentic. So, but you want me to be authentic, but you know, there's authenticity in how I handle myself. So mm. there's this real balance of, okay, what does that mean? And how do we start to be able to help people orientate that space? You know, and then you kind of layer, you know, 74% of people have got anxiety from work related issues, you know, situations, you know, two fifths of people are planning to leave. You know, the latest stat is that 35.1% turnover in the UK, 35% turnover, staff mm. turnover. You know, and UCAS talk about £30,000 per person to replace. And they're not leaving because of the technical situation of what's going on in an organisation. They're leaving because of the human side of what's going on in that organisation. So we can't afford not to deal with it. But actually, it's the most amazing, you know, competitive advantage that we've got too as organisations is to be able to deal with that side. Yeah, what the two biggest reasons for leaving a job are money and your boss. Right. I mean, I think those things come out consistently as reasons for leaving. But the the human element, I think, over the last years of reasons for for change and reasons for leaving is just it's it's growing exponentially. Right. This I, 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 can't, I can't keep talking about covid. Right. Because it's three years ago, but its effect has been untold. Absolutely. Um, and I think that looking over the fence and seeing that awful game of companies that really did double down on looking after their people and those that showed the thin veneer of yes we're a people business but not right now made made everybody look over the fence and go hey hang on a sec well why don't why am i getting treated like that here when someone over there is being treated far better this thing became far more open and visible for everybody i think and that period of reflection gave everybody a chance to go hang on, well, well, what do I want? I'm making a conscious choice here. Am I taking the pain of where I am or am I going to make a change and risk and risk stuff to take the pleasure that I can see I could get over there, right? I think I think that's now far more conscious in people at work. And the younger gen- generation coming through, whether you believe in all the generational social science or not, certainly feel a much stronger connection and interest to a company's values and behaviours and ethical stance and all those good things then perhaps have has been taken in the in the past uh, so i totally agree i think mm. that, um you know to what you say and i think that you know the generational you know the, the differences and whether you believe that you know we all fit into these different boxes yeah you know i, th- I think there's two things that I, that I would reflect on what you've you said there andy's kind of like one one of which is the you know the stats around you know people leave for money um there's loads of evidence that says actually people go for money. They don't leave for mm, it. Mm. And what I mean by that is that when people become unhappy in their environment, so there is a, there is a segment which is believed probably would be about 13% of people that actually leave for money. And they leave for money because their, circ- their circumstances demand it. You yeah. know, they're having yeah. a new baby. They're moving to a new place. They've got, you know, caring responsibilities they've got to take on. They've got to get some more. Can't avoid it. You can't avoid so, it. You move for you know, so, uh, but most people leave because they're not happy. Yeah, that's and a that, really good distinction to make, Paul. It's a really, really good distinction to make. And not being happy, what you then go for 
So you're not happy in your environment. You go, okay, I'm going to move. Mm. What you leave for is more money because you don't know that you're going to be happy in a new organization. The only thing that you know that you can get tangibly that's different. Well, one, you get a promise that says it is different, but you don't know until you get there. But you move and then you get more money because you can tangibly do that. So people leave for it. You know, people go for it. They don't leave for it. But so when you come back to it, you know, unhappiness is the reason why. Well, mm. unhappiness is all caused by humans, mm. either in yourself or by other people, you know, but it's it's, it's a human trait, mm. if you know what I mean. So mm. it's how do you kind of change that dial? Um, and I think, you know, the generational side of things, I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be treated with respect. No. You know, whatever generation you're in, I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be connected, you know, feel connected. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to feel valuable. Um, I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be treated as an individual and to be seen. So no matter what generation you are, but actually I don't think we get that right. Mm. So if we can kind of, you know, start to change that dial, you know, that's the way we can do it. Um, And that's the way we can impact, you know, that's the way we can impact retention. 35% is ridiculous. You know, how do we build loyalty in our people? Well, we don't do it through money because people don't stay for money. The only people that stay for money are probably your worst performers that can't go for any. Mm. It's not a good ta- it's not a good sta- a tactic for organisations to try and retain people with money. It's fastest race to the bottom for sure on that. Yeah, on, absolutely. On, on that one. You know, so how do you retain people? Well, you do it. You do it by investing in them. You do it by seeing them. You do it. You know, it's the human side of things and being able to help them work in an environment where they feel cared for. So let, let's start to dig into the work that you're doing because we're both fascinated in human behavior. You know, I am definitely a part-time human behaviorist. I, it's the stuff that's re-stimulated my joy for learning, really. I would never consider myself someone who loved learning, but that, that it's, a, it's a topic that just keeps on giving. There's no question. But I'm interested to understand where, where you are on that, why it's playing such a role. And, and also this thing around behavioral change versus training, right? You talked about the problem that you you saw before, but how are you trying to address this? What what is it you're trying to do that combines answering the question you talked about and the challenge that you you, you were trying to put right, but also place your own personal interest, belief, passion for human behaviour and change? Yeah, it's might be worth going backwards to come forwards on this one. Okay. So, um. So my, my interest stems from um, some experiences in my past, which is, you know, everybody's, you know, nobody's interest is going to be any different as a, as a creation, <laughs> is it, than that? You know, I just described life. So apologies to everybody for saying something so stupid. But, um, you know, er- early in my career, I was, I was, I was a carer for blind, blind students away from home. Mm. Um, and I had, you know, some amazing experiences with these students that were away from home for the very first time. And my responsibility was to make sure they were safe and to try and help them on the journey of independence. And then, you know, so it was a home in the community and then they'd go to college during the day. Um, and it was it was there in part that was really sort of my eyes really opened to these people, these students, these these blind students had been hugely cared for in the in the fact that they'd had everything done for them. You know, they were really looked after. Um, but when they came out into the world, they didn't have any independence because things had been done for them. 
And what that kind of meant is that you kind of almost you find freedom only to find that you're you 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 know you you don't have the capabilities to navigate that journey. So freedom should be a place of absolute pure bliss. But if you don't have the capability to be able to navigate it independently, I think it's a place called hell. Mm. And it was it's there that it started to understand that actually, you know, there's there's that adage, isn't there? You know, give the man a fish and he'll feed for a day. Yeah. Right. And so for me, the kind of the foundation of what I went on to do and in a number of different, you know, guises is how do you equip people to be able to look after themselves? Because you can't do it for them. Um, you know, I'm a parent. So I know firsthand that if you try and tell, and you know, I've I've got a 20, you know, 25 through to teenagers, right? So you can't tell them what to do. I mean, you can, but <laughs> Good luck. You know, it doesn't get you very far very often. Whereas if they come up with it, it's the best idea since sliced bread. Mm. And none of us are different. You know, so when you find the answers for yourself, they become owned, they become valuable. But when somebody else tells you to do them, you know, they're not getting into the kind of the, you know, the components of your brain that goes, yeah, that's a brilliant idea mm-hmm. because it's almost been done too. And, I, and, I spoke, and I, you know, that for me was a kind of a foundation that I then took on to, you know, into businesses into a franchise to be able to turn around a completely broken franchise in a bank to being the best performer before we bought out by Santander um, and then into insurance companies and so on and so forth. And then lastly into universities, which is, you know, our future are hugely impacted by everything that's going on right now, you know, future generation, but they're smart cookies. Mm. You know, you can't, you can't just tell them what to do. And, you know, because they've had such access to, uh, you know, independence and learning and, you know, you know technology, that, they, that, you know, they'll just rebel against it. But actually, if they connect with what they need to do, then actually it starts to be able to move on there. And, and I suppose when you layer that and you just understand that we're all, we're all individuals on this journey and we've grown to be the individual we have as a consequence of our experiences, which means all of us, you know, all billions of us are different in one way or another. So when you then go on to this behavioral change or you go on to, you know, change, you know, training, so bring it up to now, when we're all different and we've all had different experiences and there's no behavior school, there's no human intelligence school that helps us understand, you know, the human skills. Mm. How do you start to be able to orientate them when they're locked in here? Mm. And in a business, how does, a, you know, we ask managers to be able to help, you know, train individuals on what they need to do different. Really? I, I, I don't know. I almost don't, you know, I fire an autopilot. So I don't even know what I'm doing, let alone you know what I'm doing or why I'm doing it and what the change needs to be. That's mm. a really tough ask. Mm. And as a consequence, it doesn't happen. You know, so how does a how does a manager have a conversation with somebody about their listening skills? It's the conversation, you know, or or about the man, the way they manage conflict, or the way they build trust, or about their brand. It's a really tough conversation to have because, as a manager, you almost have to think, well, I'm an expert in that area, so I can have a conversation with you about listening. Because if I'm not, and I go, you know, Andy, can I have a conversation with you about your listening? You go, hang on, mate. You're not a very good listener yourself. What are you doing telling me? Yeah, 100%. So you put, you know, so you're in this place of kind of, 
you know, psychological threat, should we call it, or certainly, you know, a, an emotional boundary that goes, I'm going to have a conversation with you about your, about your human. Mm. And, you know, that's a tough conversation to have. Whereas, Andy, if you've kind of, you know, jumped in something and you've highlighted for yourself, I mean, which is where a fully automated life coach works, is it kind of sits in your pocket. And then if you identify that, you know, listening is an area that you're less confident in, and that connects that information through to me as a manager, it's come from you. Yeah. That changes the ability to have a conversation immediately. But in my team, you might be the only one that has got listening. So what am I going to do? Put on a training course for listening? Mm. I, I could. And it's possibly it's possible that everyone will benefit in some sort of way. But unless that's kind of personalized and identified, I probably won't be receptive of it if you ask me to go on it. And I think this is the thing that uh, we're going to get into. In the confines of the small amount of time we have together today, because this is always the danger when you and I get together, is that we have a lovely time and we talk, we talk and we go, oh, crikey, should we? Um, it's lunchtime. Um, we ought to go and eat. Um, it is this kind of individual, personalized, targeted, focused approach that can be overwhelming for a lot of businesses, I think. I need 60 programs to cover all the individual needs I think are in the team. Can't do that. Let's do three and sort of tar brush everybody. It's just not it's just not going to work it's just not going to be engaging and i totally get that no one likes being told and, and people have got access to information i mean as a facilitator i'm now used to getting fact-checked live while i'm present presenting stuff you know you come up with a concept or a theory in the old days you do that people go oh that's amazing andy brilliant other guys now on their phone going uh, oh it's oh, okay fine it says internet says it's true it must be true you know so there's all this kind of good stuff going on but this focus on the individual then, which I guess is where traditional management training has struggled, right, with some of that complexity, some of that breadth, and the cost as well, right, associated with doing all that sort of stuff. What, what is it that you're doing then? Because you're you're developing this this C coach. You've referred to it as a sort of digital coach in your pocket. Um, tell us a bit more about that then. How, how's that working? What uh, What's it trying to do and how do you think it, it solves or answers some of the, the things we've just talked about in terms of targeting, focus, cost, all that kind of good stuff? Yeah, so, I mean, if you take, you know, let's say it's a coaching for a second. Mm. You know, if I don't know any organisation that has got pockets deep enough to be able to put coaches in for everybody. But I know, but I know most organizations will connect with the value that coaching has at board level. And, you know, most boards will have, you know, coaching and, you know, elite sports people and blah, 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 have coaches because it's that capability to have some independent, you know, understanding of, okay, what is it I don't know that's impacting me mm -hmm. and being able to establish that. And it's the interaction between a human and an individual that enables me, you know, with a great coach to be able to identify what's the things I don't know that's impacting me, right? Um, and that has massive value, but it's cost prohibitive for most people. And that for me is, that's the kind of the start of the journey. You know, the people that have got the greatest need almost for coaches that could have the greatest performance impact on both their, you know, on, on their well-being, on their performance, on their relationships, on their career, don't have access to it because it's too expensive. Mm. Um, and at an organisational level, the challenge that you have, even if it wasn't too expensive, is how do you then orientate that towards your organisational goals? How is it helping you towards, you know, achieving what you want to do? Because actually, 
you think about all of the processes that we've got in place in HR, there's around, you know, 23 is your own processes plus reward plus benefit. All of those are designed to do two things, productivity and loyalty. Mm. You know, so that's what we're trying to achieve, right? So coaching, if it was to happen in that sense in an organization, has got to be orientating people to be able to kind of make their capability to do their work even better. So you take the kind of the challenges that you've got. You've got a time challenge. You've got, you know, coaching is too expensive. Um, It doesn't give you kind of data back across an organization to help you understand it. Coaching bypasses the manager too, if it's a coach that's in there. So you've got a manager that's going, actually, I don't know what problems are being solved here. Mm. And I'm certainly not building that relationship myself. Um, So it has loads of benefits, huge benefits, but actually there are some limitations in what it does too. So what we've done is built that kind of principle and we put it into tech. So it's a, it's a fully automated life coach, which equips you as an individual to self-identify by going through some, you know, through some um, evaluation, some analysis in the first place of which of the areas, the human intelligence areas that this organization needs us to be able to kind of flourish in. Don't, don't I know about, or have I got blind spots or is my confidence low? And then what that then does, it equips me to access development immediately that is high quality curated content by experts around the world that helps me then go about undertaking the change that I've identified is impacting me. Mm-hmm. And then what that does then is it, that it connects back to the manager. So it connects that data of my, my, my own um, understanding of what I need to do differently that's going to impact my life, my performance it connects that back to the manager for the manager then to be able to have some supportive conversations, which means then you get support and connection through your manager. So how many of us are working in a hybrid environment? I mean, both of us for a start, right? Sure. Well, how does a manager connect with us? How do they know where, where my development needs are? And how do they support, you know, that connection becomes about work. Well, actually, if you just phone me and ask me about work, I feel I'm either being micromanaged or it's about work. It doesn't help me. Whereas the coach connects you as you and I as a manager and peer, uh, an, an employee and says, I'm working on, you know, listening is the area. So you can go, let's have a conversation about that. How can I support you? What are the things that we can do? So it starts to k- kind of create momentum for that supports me with my productivity and my well-being. It puts the responsibility and accountability and the empowerment in my pocket for me to do something about me. And then it connects my manager to help my manager then support me on that journey. And then it connects data back to organizationally. Mm. And so the dials that we're really interested in changing or we're changing is, I guess, two, you know, is, is well-being and productivity primarily for individuals by helping them understand what's getting in their way. And then what that then unlocks is my ability to navigate my career mm. and my role. Um but what it also does, it builds this caring connection with an organization and my manager and myself to be able to get to know myself and undertake growth within the organization. What that then starts to do is create a coaching culture for managers. Because now you can have a conversation with me about the stuff that I'm identifying for myself and the coach connects you to that. So you start to be able to change the dial on performance. And that's what that's that's what I wanted to ask you about, really, because you are democratizing coaching, right? Giving it to the masses, right? Brilliant, because it's been it's been the bastion of the boardroom or the 
business owner and 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 it's becoming more and more important i think that the the coaching piece which relates back to all what you're saying don't tell me what to do help me think for it for myself let me come yeah. up with my own idea right i 100 buy into that i'm just interested to see how you're bridging the almost parallel worlds of tech and human coaching right and i think you've just started to sort of like get into it with the i guess for me the the three things of connection support and challenge right yeah that's that's what a good coach will do i think they'll make the connection under help you understand stuff they'll support you through thinking stuff through but they'll also hold your feet to the flames to sort of say okay so what you done about it yeah <laughs> because don't as as one of my guests the other week sort of said self-awareness is the booby prize if that's all you have if you don't do anything with it you know what a waste and this is the same right and i i think this is a fantastic thing about putting it in someone's own responsibility because people couldn't say oh, i want development okay well this how much do you want it because it's it's down to you you're not going to be led by the hand you got to get on and do it yourself um so uh, rambling question but how do you how do you marry up that that traditional human approach with the tech stuff that you're doing um to to really get the best of both worlds well yeah, so I mean, it's a, it's a great question, and and I think so much, so much technology, you know, that's dressed as being valuable for humans actually isn't, you know. So, um, what our tech is about is about helping you understand you in the first place, and when you can get to understand you and kind of you know what what makes you drive, what's your autopilot, you know, and coming out of that, once you understand you, you can understand other people much better. You know, if you can start to build your own emotional intelligence, you can start to build the, you know, the understanding that what makes other people fire, right? Mm. So for an individual, I start to be able to understand myself, which means I can understand other people. But what it does, it connects me as well to the human. So to my manager, to be able to kind of really build, you know, bring that to life, how we can work together and how we can support, but also to my team colleagues too. And what the co- what the coach also does is, you know, I talked about it, you know, having development content that's immediately available from experts, which is, you know, videos, reading, tools, templates, that sort of stuff. Mm. But also what we do is we connect you with colleagues. So let's say we, we you know we've used the analogy of listening. What the coach will do is it will show any other people that are in your community or in your business that are also learning and listening. Or anybody that is in the community or the company that are experts in listening. And enables you to be able to connect with those people and say, look, you're learning in the same area. Let's let's go on this journey together. What is you know what are you finding? What are you doing? How do you hold it to you know? To, so it starts to be able to kind of change. So it's so it is a piece of tech that is helping me understand my human and then connecting me to others to be able to help me do something with it. But the other bit that you said is you know how do you then you know having a gym membership without going is not a very good way of doing anything, is it, right? Have you been looking at my bank account? Uh, for, I have, yeah. So <laughs> your personal trainer got on the phone to me and asked if I could help. Um, yeah, well, that person doesn't exist, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then how do you kind of then support change? And that's why it connects the manager into the journey. Because there then becomes, how do you create value for everybody in a tra- chain is critical for change to happen. Mm-hmm. So we create value for a user because actually they understand what they can do differently to be able to help them in their, you know, their performance, their career, their life, their relationships outside of it. It's, you know, human is both in work and out of work, you know, benefits. 
It then connects me to my manager. My manager's role is made better and more fulfilling because actually I know how I can help. But if an individual doesn't use it, then the manager is then going, let me understand why aren't you using it? How can I help you? So mm-hmm. it creates that connection, which is then builds this loop of responsibility. But it brings back data organ- to the organization too. So in HR, what you're doing is you're understanding, you know, people aren't using it. And is there a correlation between the manager using it and not using it? Is there a correlation between the trends of gaps that we've got in certain teams? And how is that impacting in performance? What's our best performers got that the next the next tier of performers haven't got in terms of human ingredients? How do we kind of grab those and you know consider whether or not we actually support you know the development in those other individuals? Mm. So there is value to everybody in the chain. And as a consequence, what it does is it creates this drive, this circle of people using it, talking about it, and the you know, and wanting to use it. Um, you know, both through data, but also through reminders, through badges, through certificates. You know, that are in this platform to be able to kind of help those habits. And I suppose the final thing that's really worth saying is that it's not about big swathes of time. It's about bite sizes. So our right. content that's in there has got a sweet spot of a TED talk. Yeah. You know, a 15 to 20 minutes. So there's a lot of stuff that's in there that's a few minutes long. Sweet spots about probably around about 15 to 20 minutes. And we snuck in a few longer podcasts that are in there. This one probably won't make the cut, but you know. Wow, that's brutal. Look well, at that. It's, 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 it's a reflection on me, not you. That rubbish. That's brutal, Paul. Yeah, God, so reflection on me, not you. But you know, longer podcasts that, you know, people can access if they want to. Um, so it's that kind of, it's, it's, it, it's a circle of change. If everybody gets value from it and everybody's measured on it, then everybody uses it. And you're covering a whole wealth of learning styles within this content too. Right. Yeah. We all know that people learn in many, many different way, different ways. And from what you're talking about, and particularly the snackable content, longer content, video, written, face to face, whatever whatever it might be. I mean, you're you're covering all the bases there, right? Yeah. So you're giving everybody a chance to learn in their in their best way, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I suppose the beauty of it as well for me is is I think there's nothing I don't think there's anything wrong with money. And so to give that context, businesses benefit from using this because retention rates go up because people feel seen, heard, invested, connected, you know, mm-hmm. to, the, to their colleagues, to the other people. And those are the reasons why people leave. You know, management capabilities being, you know, accelerated and uplifted to be able to have those great conversations through the coach at, at all levels, which then kind of create this connection with other people. You understand people across the organisation we're at source solving a lot of the problems that we've got a lot of processes invested in that are reactive. Mm-hmm. You know, so well-being programs, they're brilliant and we need them. But actually it's better to be able to solve the issue that will build itself up to be a well-being issue than treating it afterwards. And there's absolute connection between competence and well-being. The more competent you are, the more likely you are to be well or you know and thriving. The less competent you are, the more the challenges that are in that space. Sure, makes sense. So we end up saving organisations money. We make them more money through productivity improvements and how the people are feeling and you know and thriving. But we do so by making people's lives better. And for me, that's a great equation that every business couldn't argue with. And the, and, and no individuals. Well, I'm sure there are some that would we would find to be able to argue with it. 
and perhaps we should listen. But, Teenage you know, sons, mostly, I would have thought. Well, yeah. you, know, people, <laughs> you know, people at bus stops moaning about the world and buses <laughs> being late and whatever it would be, probably, you know, some of them. But anyway. Defo. I mean, look, I think personally, I think it's fascinating. I really, really do think it's fascinating. And I think the work you're doing is going to help a lot of people. Um, to me, I can't believe it already. We've come to the part in the show where we're looking to try and summarise. And I would like to, and maybe this is under underlying some of the core foundations on which you're building Coach, Paul, right, is to think about leaving behind three little sticky notes of sagely wisdom for the listeners that they can take away. And within those sticky notes, what advice would you give people if they are looking to really effectively change their behaviour going forwards? Three little bits of advice, my friend. What would they be? Uh, okay. Well, everything that I've talked about, and 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 and, and push back on this, but everything that I've talked about is under the banner of care. Yeah. Um, and I think the three sticky notes. Well, the three but you know bits of mantra is care for yourself, care for other people, and care for results. And you know, it starts with us and it starts in us. We're complicated and we're beautiful. Um and until such time as you really get to know yourself, then I think the journey's t- I think the journey can be tough because you're expecting it to be something. And when you get in to understand yourself and some of the kind of the human, you know, human elements, you can quite quickly start to be able to catch, well, actually, it's meant to be like this and the challenge is great. And here's how I can best navigate that. And when you start to do that, you can then really help other people on that journey and help them grow. And we've got, you know, natural chemicals in us, which I can't remember quite what the, the uh, is it called? So I can't remember where when you help other people we get an injection of happy happy oxytocin is the piece isn't it right thank you you're welcome uh you know we get we 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 get repaid Mm. with a happy moment by helping somebody else um but you've got to help yourself and then care for results is the last part of that and you know it's kind of like it's the care for outcomes so i think we, we i think we're very good at measuring outcomes typically you know we want um, but if you do things well as an input, you'll get great outputs. And then you can measure yourself against those outputs if you want to. But it's the input that's the bit that you can change rather than focus on the output. There's no point in a manager standing at the end of 100, you know, 100 metres with a stopwatch and said that wasn't fast enough, go and do it again. Um, the next time they do it, they, they may well do it faster but they may well injure themselves because they're running badly, you know, and they've got the wrong ingredients and they've got the right energy going into them. So if you help them change the input, then you'll definitely change the output. So I guess those would be my sticky notes. I love that. I, I love the theme of care within all of those things. Well, before I let you go, where can people find out a little bit more about Coach and stuff? And we will stick some stuff in the show notes for sure, but just, just tell us, where can people find out a bit more about it? Um, so www.ccoach, so c-coach.com, um, you can find the information. Um, I'm available on Paul at c-coach.com. Um, so, you know, get, get in touch. Brilliant. Uh, look, as always, my friend, it's wonderful to sit back and just listen to all the things you're passionate about and what you're trying to do with technology. 
as I said before, I think it can only really serve to help so many more people get access to that whole thing about coaching. You talked about coaching culture, and I think that is so important. So look, thank you for giving up your your time to speak to us today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Andy. And, um, and for everybody listening, Andy's a wonderful man with some wonderful <laughs> services too. So uh, it's worth checking him out. Andy, how can people find you? Oh, they can find me wherever. I'm all over the place. You can get me on LinkedIn or whatever else it is. But yes, it's not about me. It's all about all about my guests. Paul, you take care, my friend. Thanks so much for coming on. Cheers, Andy. Much appreciated. All right, my friend. You take care. Okay, everyone. That was Paul Burton. And then if you'd like to find out a bit more about him or any of the things we've talked about today, please check out the show notes. So, that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, please like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps. I'm Andy Gorham, and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.